Clearly, capital structures are going to come under extreme pressure when it comes to the topic of debt and potential refinancing needs. And there is a lot of pressure that is being placed on institutions to deploy capital at the moment, but that money is becoming increasingly expensive. I mean, where should private equity be prioritising their actions and burning the calories to get the biggest, biggest payback in this situation? Being really clear what being digital first in a downturn means uh, for your retail portfolio companies is, is super important part of uh, private equity owners' strategy right now. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Mark Veldon, uh, private equity lead and co-head of Alex Partners UK Business. I'm glad you can join us for our latest private equity focus expert discussion today. And this time we'll be focusing on the retail industry and putting that underneath the microscope. I'm delighted to be joined by partners and managing directors, Claire Kennedy and Matt Clark, who between them have over 35 years of experience in the retail, leisure and consumer product spaces. So of all the industries trying to navigate the current economic downturn, it seems retail is one of those being impacted at most. Uh, and recognizing the broader impacts to consumer sentiment, cost of living crisis, not to mention the persistent effects of inflation and interest rates. Perhaps we could start our discussion with each of your assessments of the industry landscape at this point and what the outlook is for 2023. Maybe Matt, you can kick us off here and then Claire, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Sure. So I think it's fair to say, as, as you mentioned, Mark, that the retail industry is undergoing uh, a really tough time at the moment. Of course, the inflationary pressures, the energy price, the cost of living crisis, etc., had its roots and really started to take hold in 2022. Um, and, and for retailers who've been battling cost price inflation and, and labour uh, inflation over the course of this period, there's no new news in any of this. However, if 22 was the year of the squeeze, if you like, both for consumers and for retailers, we would imagine 2023 would be the year of the crunch. So what we saw towards the end of 22 is consumers feeling the impact of those inflationary price rises, but it only really impacted big ticket spending. So the, the normal um, trend during World Cups and indeed at Christmas is a lot of big televisions are sold and this year that didn't happen. Um, and, and it's a real good indication of people being more careful with big ticket discretionary spending. And you're seeing that in home improvement sector as well, where many people did up their houses during the pandemic and the coincidence of that and the uh, shortage of discretionary spend means that uh, the home uh, improvement industry in the UK is in particular disarray. We'd expect that to continue into 23 where big ticket items will definitely be under pressure. But even um, food price uh, inflation is having a massive effect at the moment. If you saw the results from the grocers after Christmas, they were all in the sort of mid-single digit uh, increases in, in revenue. And food price inflation is running between sort of 10 and 15%, depending on whether it's ambient and, and uh, fresh at the moment. So you can see that volumes are down in grocery, and the only people who are doing well are the discounters. And, and you see that accelerating through the course of 23 as the real impact of energy price rises and uh, inflation price rises. And of course, the beginning of um, unemployment coming through as well. We've already seen 15,000 job losses 
in the UK retail industry since the beginning of this year. So you can see unemployment coming back, you can see a continued uh, squeeze for discretionary spend, and um, retailers therefore really feeling the pinch, both, both at the revenue line, but also in the cost line as well. So tough year ahead, we would expect. So from my perspective, um, just a couple of things to add to what Matt's already said. Firstly, we are starting to see signs of distress creep in. So we've seen an increase in the number of formal insolvency filings in the sector, with some well-known high street brands um, falling into administration in the last sort of couple of months. Made.com, Jules, Paper Jace, just to name a few um, well-known names. And all of these businesses are those that are impacted by the fall in discretionary spend that Matt's already alluded to. And each of these has followed the same pattern in terms of the end result, being a sale of the brand to a platform. So next, um, in the case of Made and Jewels, and Tesco in the case of Paper Chase, and then a wind down of the physical footprint where there was one. And this all adds to a growing trend of, a trend of consolidation of ownership in the mid-market. One other thing that we started to see at the back end of last year, um, which is also still coming through, is um, given the uncertainty in the supply chain and the consumer sentiment, this is having a big impact on the way businesses were able to accurately forecast cash flows. And whilst the situation now has stabilised and this has calmed down, there are a number of lessons that management and their sponsors can learn from, from this. And accurate forecasting is really important, especially when financial stakeholders are watching as closely as they are at the moment. Thanks, Claire. I mean, recognising everything that you and Matt have just said, I mean, Clearly, capital structures are going to come under extreme pressure when it comes to the topic of debt and potential refinancing needs. Uh, Claire, given your restructuring experience, what do you see happening in retail specifically and how much of an issue is this already for the industry and how do you see it playing out over the coming months? So I think it's um, the, the impact of rising interest rates is really manifesting itself in a couple of ways at the moment. Firstly, um, existing cost of capital is increasing as interest rates increase. And there are a number of highly leveraged structures um, in existence at the moment, and that will start to have a direct impact on those structures. And secondly, refinancing. So uh, there is a lot of dry powder in the system at the moment. There is still a lot of money that um, can be deployed, and there is a lot of pressure that has been placed on institutions to deploy capital at the moment. But that money is becoming increasingly expensive. And this is further compounded by some of the more traditional um, high street lenders looking to exit the sector. And therefore, there's a reliance on the secondary debt markets. And that money tends to be more expensive at the best of times. You add on the interest rates and the high cost of capital, that just becomes a very expensive way of financing your business. And that all has to be built into the forecast going forward. Thanks, Claire. And I think you touched on a number of things there. But Matt, when you look at it from a private equity perspective, you know, you've got a number of PE firms who have already invested in retail and the rising cost of debt and other disruptive forces at play. You know, they're going to be asking some tough questions of partners and their portfolio leadership teams. I mean, Claire alluded to it, but is there a case for carefully considered rationalization or, or when you look at it from a portfolio perspective, footprint reassessment right down to product rationalization too? I mean, where should private equity be prioritizing their actions and burning the calories to get the biggest biggest payback in this situation? Well, Mark, I think, I think what you say is spot on. There are many profit protection measures that all retailers should be acting on now, and you would expect private equity owners and, and the, um, the, the operating partners within them to be really focused on those um, obvious cost measures, but also 
really challenging the productivity of assortment and range, um, how pricing and promotion is executed, and also getting underneath um, some of those really hard to get at inefficiencies that retailers, especially larger retailers, uh, traditionally really struggle to access. So the end-to-end view of a business where there are usually friction points and inefficiencies between the functional silos in a retailer, so between commercial and supply chain, between supply chain and and stores or digital, um, are often areas of untapped opportunity. And the current environment are really driving the need to go after those types of efficiency improvements. Uh, Alongside, and and Claire sort of mentioned this, the the need to be really tight on inventory and working capital as, as we go through the course of this year. One of the other things that we've obviously seen a big reversal on in the last year is the is the rise of e-commerce and, and digital penetration in many retailers. Now, we would expect that to be a, a blip rather than a reversal in trend. But being really clear what being digital first in a downturn means uh, for your retail portfolio companies is, is super important part of uh, private equity owners' strategy right now and driving efficiency uh, alongside customer Um, outreach and uh, driving traffic conversion and basket size is going to be extraordinarily important. However, on top of the sort of obvious cost and efficiency and productivity measures that are, you know, frankly, a must do to survive in the current environment, there's also a whole bunch of opportunity. And of course, you can't cut your way to greatness. So in order to deliver an enterprise value creation strategy, that will require growth, or or at least a market share growth in a declining market. Um, So really also doubling down on things like um, uh, value proposition, innovation, making sure that you're driving the right kind of value for consumers to be relevant at the moment. But there's also the the need to be relevant beyond just value. So finding a place where shoppers will continue to come back time and time again. Marketing optimization and uh, personalization and ensuring that all the channels you operate through are really seamless uh, and frictionless for customers is, is increasingly important, as well as being super productive on, on the cost side of the business. So there's plenty on the agendas uh, for private equity owners at the moment, Mark. Thanks, Matt. I mean, when you consider the operational components, I think you know that, that's all very, very clear. Um, if I look at private equity now, I mean, obviously, this, there's been a bit of a downturn in the M&A flow over the last six months. That's probably going to continue for the, in the short term, certainly. But they all have a significant amount of dry powder that they're looking to deploy. And I suspect that will pick up as the year goes on. For those who have an interest in retail assets, what are the key themes or key areas you think you should be targeting and given the current landscape? Yeah, and I think um, it's, a, it's a really interesting situation at the moment. So the, the general theme of private equity and retail for the last few years has been um, a sort of muddle in the middle and value on the edges, uh, by which I, I mean that the strategies of five to ten years ago of just buying mid-market apparel retailers and, and opening lots of stores and going international were obviously long dead. And, and the, uh, the value uh, creation opportunities in the sector have been more around the edges of the core. So luxury, uh, digital assets, though less so right now, discounters and certain specialty propositions and some of the brands. Um, 
and and what we're seeing at the moment is a slight nuance on that. So obviously, there's been a lot of interest in UK grocery um, over the last uh, couple of years, and the the cash generative nature of those assets and the fact that you have obviously an enormous number of customers means that the opportunities to generate value through value proposition innovation and use of customer data to be more effective it does exist and is an extremely strong opportunity that people are taking advantage of right now you would also expect discounters to continue to be uh, particularly attractive to private equity players and and as i said earlier digital um is obviously currently really stressed but you would expect that trend to come back over the course of time now of course one of the big trends we've seen uh, which private equity have been partially involved in but not as much as you would expect is is the multi-brand one engine type plays that you see with Fraser's uh, and others where all of the brands some of which have become distressed but are actually fundamentally good brands um, are being consolidated onto platforms and, and that will continue to be an opportunity over the course of the next couple of years and for those people who are particularly keen on consumer brands you could see that um, that strategy um, continuing and also as some of the players such as uh, JD recently sold non-core strategic brands to Fraser's will we'll start to consolidate their platforms you would see opportunities to pick up some of those brands and 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 um, and make an enterprise value creation play with those as well as some continuing focusing of the big corporates which will give rise to carve outs and opportunities to take um, orphan businesses into private equity hands and, and turn them around as well so whilst the love affair between private equity and retail is remains largely over i, th I think in in general terms there are some very specific areas where there's real value to be had and the current environment actually will accelerate the ability of private equity um, to take advantage particularly of those brands that are falling into distress but are fundamentally sound. I think the point that Matt made about brands is really is is really relevant. It comes back to the point I made at the, um, at the beginning about consolidation. I think that's that's relevant to the credit funds, and I also think that the fact that some of the more traditional lenders are moving away from the sector gives the likes of the credit funds more opportunity to deploy capital through direct lending, and that's a really interesting proposition for them as refinancing start to come up. Thank you both. I suppose if the last three years have taught us anything, it's, it's harder than ever to make an accurate prediction for the future. Uh, that being said, I know you both have some strong perspectives on what you think will really matter in retail, at least for the remainder of the year. Uh, Claire, perhaps you first this time. Could you outline the two or three expectations for the next six to 12 months, allied with a couple of priorities that you consider critical for private equity and retail? Sure, I think... Um... In terms of priorities, I think that um, it comes back to the original point I made, really accurate forecasting and getting under the skin of working capital requirements as we head through another kind of turbulent 12 months. Um, in terms of predictions, um, it, it's difficult to say. I think some people have softened their economic outlook for this year, but I do think we will still continue to see a level of distress in the sector um, and we will continue to see brands come up for sale. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that at the moment. So I don't expect that that's going to change anytime soon. And I think that, you know, we probably will see, see a bit more um, failure in terms of businesses that simply don't have a place on the high street. Although a lot of that was dealt with through the pandemic and, and the fallout off the back. of. Yes, yeah, so I think um, the sort of old rules still apply. So um, real hard focus on operational excellence and productivity will be will be vital. 
um, staying relevant to the consumer, which means real value over the next few months, but also being really clear on what the point of a brand or a retailer is in, in the consumer's mind and how that differentiates and creates value moving forward. All of those things will be will be super important as we go through the year. And it is going to be tough. I mean, as you say, making predictions, we've all learned, is a, is a mugs game. Uh, 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 certainly it has been the last few years. But the, the reality over the next uh, year or so will be that those operators who are really tight operationally and driving productivity, stay relevant to the consumer, will be able to take opportunities to grow market share and create value in a market that is obviously characterized by distress. And then when you come out the other side of the, uh, the, the, the crunch year that we're in this year, should be in a much healthier place to prosper moving forward. While the industry is clearly not alone in needing to tackle so many macroeconomic disruptions, there are notable issues that seem particularly pronounced, and which private equity must get its arms around quickly to successfully ride out the storm. But it's also clear that many opportunities exist if they can do so. So thanks again to you both for joining me today, and thank you all for listening. I hope you're able to join us again soon for the next installment of our Alex Partners Private Equity Expert Discussions. Thank you again and have a good day. Thank you.